Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles Original Edition, published by our very dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. And there you mouse on the link at Top for Online Edition. You'll see a drop-down menu from which you can choose Read A-C-I-M-O-E. Also on that drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to receive a daily excellent email that includes both the text reading for today as well as the daily lesson. My name is Lori Cameron. This calls Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we're privileged to start again. What a marvel. Reading Introduction to Miracles in Chapter 1, Principles of Miracles, and we'll read through Principle 24. We're also mindful of our lesson today. Lesson 1. Nothing I see in this room, on this street, from this window, in this place, means anything. And we'll pause at the top of the hour for a lesson reflection where we'll consider the introduction to the workbook as well as today's lesson as we are led by Fran. Uh, it's customary, I forgot to talk about this, but uh, it's customary in these first 50 lessons that um, we touch in with the lesson particulars um, as instructed, and then we read uh, from the review lessons um, the single paragraph that goes with each daily lesson. So today we'll be looking at lesson one and also lesson one as it's reflected in review lesson 51. Okay? Alrighty. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, here we go. By way of opening. Um, there's this beautiful book by John O'Donohue. It's called Beauty. And um, Beauty the Invisible Embrace. It's just filled with awesome little nuggets about seeing differently. And today I selected this one. If we could but realize the sureness around us, we would be much more courageous in our lives. The frames of anxiety that keep us caged would dissolve. We would love the life we live. And in that way, day by day, free our future from the way of the past regret. We would love the life we live and live the life we love. And in that way, day by day, free our future from the weight of regret. Amen. And that's our goal, to see. So, thank you, everyone, for joining. And here's our reading list. So far, we have Lemoyne, Fran, Harrison, Diana, and Karen. And we're joined in listening this morning by John. Who else has joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning. Patricia, listening. Thank you. Good, good morning, Patricia. Thank you. Anyone else? Good morning, Lori, everyone. Jude's here. I'll be listening. Thank you. Morning, Judy. 
Thank you. Anyone else? Hi, Chris here. I'll be listening to. Well, good morning, Chris. All righty. What a privilege. Okay, I'll just uh, mention that if you're not reading, if you could keep your mic muted, that would be helpful to everyone. And away we go. In the Course of Miracles, Chapter 1, Introduction to Miracles, Section 1, Principles of Miracles. And if you haven't listened to us before, we stair-step the reading. So we'll be switching through our list of readings fairly quickly as we stair-step uh, paragraph by paragraph. And paragraph one. There is no order of difficulty among miracles. One is not, quote-unquote, harder or, quote-unquote, bigger than another. They are all the same. All expressions of love are maximal. Halloween. Okay. Um, chapter 1, Introduction to Miracles. Section 1, Principle of Miracles. Principle 1, There is no order of difficulty among miracles. One is not harder or bigger than another. They are all the same. All expressions of love are natural. Two, miracles as such do not matter. The only thing that matters is their source, which is far beyond human desire. Thank you, LeMoyne. And Fran. Paragraph 2. Miracles are such do not matter, as such do not matter. The only thing that matters is their source, which is far beyond human evaluation. 3. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. I'm still on mute. Oh, goodness. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, a little button trouble there. Thank you, Fran. <laughs> and Harrison. You bet. That's right. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. For all miracles mean life. <laughs> 
God is the giver of life. His love, his voice, will direct you very specifically. You will be told all you need to know. Thank you, Harrison. And Diana. Hi, good morning. Number four, all miracles need life, and God is a giver of life. His voice will direct you very specifically. You will be told all you need to know. Number five, miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They should not be under conscious control. Consciously selected miracles cannot can be misguided. Thank you, Diana. Um, and Lemoyne just reminded me, we forgot to read the introduction. Um, but let's finish our principles and then we'll we'll go backwards. <laughs> Thanks, Lemoyne. And thank you, Diana. And that was paragraph five. And so, Karen, you would be five and six. Principles five and six. <clears throat> Miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They should not be under conscious control. Consciously selected miracles can be misdirected, misguided. Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. Thank you, Karen. And would there be a new reader for Principles 6 and 7? Looking for a new reader for Miracle Principles 6 and 7? All right, back to you, LeMoyne. Six. Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has done wrong. Seven, miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran? Seven, miracles are everyone's right, but purification is necessary first. Eight, Miracles are a form of healing. They supply a lack, and they are performed by those who temporarily have more for those who temporarily have less. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. Eight. Miracles are a form of healing. They supply a light, and they are performed by those who temporarily have more. For those who temporarily have less, nine miracles are a kind of exchange, like all expressions of love which are always miraculous in the true sense. The exchange reverses the physical laws 
they bring more love to the giver and the receiver. Thank you, Harrison. And Diana. Number nine. Miracles are a kind of exchange. Like all expressions of love, which are always miraculous in the truth sense, the exchange reverses the physical love. They bring more love both to the giver and the receiver. Number ten. The use of miracles as spectacles to include belief is wrong, or better, is a misunderstanding of their purpose. They are really used for and by believers. Thank you, Diana. And Karen? Number 10. The use of miracles as spectacles to induce belief is wrong, or better, is a misunderstanding of their purpose. They are really used for and by believers. Number 11, prayer is the medium of miracles. Prayer is the natural communication of the created with the creator. Through prayer, love is received, and through miracles, love is expressed. Uh, thank you, Karen. And anyone like to jump in here for principle 11 and 12? Good morning. Great. Happy New Year, everyone. It's Lana. Oh, thank you, Lana. I just was able to get on. Okay, 11. Prayer is the medium of miracles. Prayer is the natural communication of the created with the creator. Through prayer, love is received, and through miracles, love is expressed. Twelve, miracles are thoughts. Thoughts can represent lower order or higher order reality. This is the basic distinction between intellectualizing and thinking. One makes the physical and the other creates the spiritual. And we believe in what we make or create. Thank you, Lana. Uh, Would anyone else like to jump in here for 12 or 13? Right back to you, Amoy. Well, miracles are thoughts. Thoughts can represent lower order or higher order reality. This is the basic distinction between <clears throat> intellectualizing and thinking. One makes the physical and the other creates the spiritual and we believe in what we make or create. Thirteen. Miracles are both beginnings and endings. They thus alter the temporal order. They are always affirmations of rebirth 
which seem to go back, but really go forward. They undo the past in the present, and thus release the future. Thank you, Lemoyne. Um, Fran? 13. Miracles are both beginnings and endings. They thus alter the temporal order. They are always affirmations of rebirth, which seem to go back, but really go forward. They undo the past in the present and thus release the future. 14. Miracles bear witness to truth. They are convincing because they arise from conviction. Without conviction, they deteriorate into magic, which is mindless and therefore destructive, or rather the uncreated use of mind. Oh, thank you, Fran. And Harrison. Fourteen. Miracles bear witness to truth. They are convincing because they arise from conviction. Without conviction, they deteriorate into magic, which is mindless and therefore destructive, or rather the uncreative use of mind. Fifteen. Each day should be devoted to miracles. The purpose of time is to enable man to learn to use it constructively. Time is thus a teaching device and a means to an end. It will cease when it is no longer useful and facilitating learning. Thank you, Harrison. And Diana. Number 16, right? 15 and 16, uh uh-huh. 15 and 16, okay. Each day should be devoted to miracles. The purpose of time is to enable man to learn to use it constructively. Time is thus a teaching device and a means to an end. It will cease when it is no longer useful in facilitating learning. Number 16. Miracles are teaching devices for demonstrating that it is no more blessed to be, to give, than to receive. They simultaneously increase the strength of the giver and supply strength to the receiver. Thank you, Diana. Uh, Karen. 16. Miracles are teaching devices for demonstrating that it is more blessed to give than to receive. They simultaneously increase the strength of the giver and supply strength to the receiver. 17. Miracles are the transcendence of the body. They are sudden shifts into invisibility, away from a sense of lower order reality. That is why they heal. Thank you, Karen. And uh, Lana. 
Okay. Um, uh, is 17 and 18? Is that where we uh-huh. are? I'm okay. Uh-huh. 17. Miracles are the transcendence of the body. They are sudden shifts into invisibility, away from a sense of lower order reality. That is why they heal. 18. A miracle is a service. It is the maximal service one individual can render another. It is a way of loving your neighbor as yourself. The doer recognizes his own and his neighbor's inestimable inestimable worth simultaneously. Sorry. Oh, thank you, Lana. Uh, would anyone like to step in here uh, for principle 18 and 19? All right, back to you, Lemoyne. Eighteen. A miracle is a service. It is the maximal service one individual can render another. It is a way of loving your neighbor as yourself. The doer recognizes his own and his neighbor's inestimable worth. I will be. Nineteen. Miracles make souls one in Christ. They depend on cooperation because sonship is some of all the souls God created. Miracles therefore rest on the laws of eternity, not of time. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 19. Miracles make minds one in God. They depend on cooperation because the sonship is the sum of all the souls God created. Miracles, therefore, rest on the laws of eternity, not of time. 20. Miracles reawaken the awareness that the spirit, not the body, is the altar of truth. This is the recognition that leads to the healing power of the miracle. Thank you, Fran. And Harrison. Miracles reawaken the awareness that the spirit, not the body, is the altar of truth. This is a recognition that leads to the healing power of the miracle. 21. Miracles are natural expressions of total forgiveness. Through miracles, man accepts God's forgiveness by extending it to others. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, Diana. 21. Miracles are natural expressions of total forgiveness. Through miracles, 
Man accepts God's forgiveness by extending it to others. 22. Miracles are associated with fear only because of the fallacious belief that darkness can hide. Man believes that what he cannot see does not exist, and his physical eyes cannot see in the dark. This is a very primitive solution and has led to a denial of the spiritual eye. The escape from darkness involves two stages. Thank you, Diana. And let's see, Karen, if you'd like to read Principle 22, and I think uh, paragraph 23 and 24 also, okay? Principle 22, and then uh, part A and B. Okay. 22. Miracles are associated with fear only because of the fallacious belief that darkness can hide. Man believes that what he cannot see does not exist, and his physical eyes cannot see in the dark. This is a very primitive solution and has led to a denial of the spiritual eye. The escape from darkness involves two stages. A, the recognition that darkness cannot hide. This step usually entails fear. B, the recognition that there is nothing you want to hide, even if you could. This step brings escape from fear. Thank you, Karen. Let's see now. I think that's where we end today. I'm going to just double-check my paper here. That's what mine says. Yep, that would be where we end. (laughs) Thank you, Fran. Um, And because we forgot the introduction, um, I think we'll go back and pick it up just to um, put a frame around what we've just read, to some degree anyway. I beg your pardon for that. Um, So, wait now. I forgot. We have to read that A and B again because we only did it once, right? So, um, Lana, if you'd like to read... Paragraph 22 and A and B again. That will bring it to a conclusion today. Alrighty. Uh, 22. Miracles are associated with fear only because of a fallacious belief that darkness can hide. Man believes that what he cannot see does not exist. And his physical eyes cannot see in the dark. This is a very primitive solution and has led to a denial of the spiritual eye. The escape from darkness involves two stages. A, the recognition that darkness cannot hide. This step usually entails fear. B, the recognition that there is nothing you want to hide, even if you could. 
This step brings escape from fear. Thank you, Lana. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, everyone who read this morning. And if you want to flip your book back one page or go to the top of your email, whatever the case may be, we'll pick up the introduction to this Course in Miracles. Um, in order to uh, stair-step it, like we customarily do, I'll go ahead and start with the first paragraph, and then we'll go down the list again. Unless there's someone who'd like to, to add their name to the reading list this morning. Okay, so introduction. This is a Course in Miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you may elect what you want to take at a given time. Um, Introduction. This is a course in miracles. It is a required course. Only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will does not mean that you can establish the curriculum. It means only that you may elect what you want to take at a given time. The course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassed can have no opposite. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran, you'd like to read two through five, please. Uh, through five, okay. Two. This course does not aim at teaching the meaning of love, for that is beyond what can be taught. It does aim, however, at removing the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is your natural inheritance. The opposite of love is fear, but what is all-encompassing can have no opposite. Three, this course can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Four, nothing real can be threatened, Nothing unreal exists. Five, herein lies the peace of God. Amen. Yes, thank you, Fran. And Harrison, uh, if you'd like to pick up the last bit of two and read through five, please. The opposite of love is fear. Of what is all encompassing and has no opposite. This course can be, can therefore be summed up very simply in this way. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Thank you, Harrison. 
And thank you everyone who read this morning. Um, I'll just say it again. It's such a privilege to wake up on New Year's Day and know that we have a purpose um, given to us by this framework. And I'm so grateful we have a few minutes before the top of the hour. Uh, So let's entertain some opening impressions uh, before we get there. Floor's open. This is Diane. Uh, If you go to number seven, I just need clarification on what it means when it says miracles are everybody's right, but purification is necessary first. What are they meaning by purification? Um, Very good question, Diana. And uh, I think um, most, I know what I I would say, that that has been revealed uh, more clearly as the years have gone by. I wrote in my book that it's the willingness to be open to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And uh, yesterday, as I was reading this, I asked, uh, what, what do you mean by purification? And the answer I got was that um, it's the belief that one is worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I felt really good about that. Anyone else have uh, input on that great question? I do. I'd like to say, Karen, uh, go ahead. Purification is necessary. Um, the first half of the workbook is the deconstruction of the ego world. Purification, in my mind, would mean we need to deconstruct all the falsehood that we believe in. And we have to have that willingness to let go of all the attachment we have to those beliefs that are not real. That's what I was thinking. I'm complete. Oh, okay. sure. Thanks, Karen. Hi, this is Diana. Um, boy, you know, that... that um, stumped me for a long time too and and uh for me purification um is the return to my awareness of my innocence and that means any thought contrary or invariance to the truth of my the truth of my innocence and perfection as God created me must be purified. So that is healing. You know, for me, that means healing. It must be healing. Um, and it, it calls on the atonement, which um, Jesus says, will be saying early in this text that atonement to atone means to undo. And it's, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, it's the process of healing and undoing the religious thoughts and beliefs. And there's another, uh, I, and I wish I could remember where, but uh, Jesus says, purification is of God alone and therefore for you. So it's very much like how I hold forgiveness. It's not something that's done by me, it's done for me. And, um, you know, Jesus makes it very clear that purification is of God alone, therefore for me. So, it, again, it points to my willingness, my desire 
to see differently my um, commitment to the healing and awakening of my true thoughts, the thoughts I think with God. They're already pure. No, no purification necessary, but they're not, they're not um, part of the thinking mind. You know, the thoughts I think with God are come from God to me. It's like a delivery system. I notice them as they show up in my mind, and I accept them, and I recognize them by the clarity, the certainty, and the peace that accompanies them. So the, for me, the first thing that I had to get over was the idea that purification was something I must accomplish instead of what it means is the recognition that I already am accomplished. I already am pure. I'm already am innocent. And to return that to my awareness um, requires a miracle or a shift, you know, it requires forgiveness and a shift in my perception from that lower order of thought to a higher order of thought. It's all about remembering the truth of me. And that hasn't changed. I'm still as God created me. But what has to be restored is that that has to be restored to my awareness, to my conscious awareness and recognized as my truth. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> um, that's, uh, you know, that's what it means to me. It's not something that I have to do. Uh, it, purification is something that I must uh, accept as a gift of God in the recognition that I'm already pure. I'm already innocent. Um, so I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was just excellent, Lana. Thank you yes. so much. Perfect. Yes, that was. Perfect. Thank you, Lana. I would like to say it's putting nothing, absolutely nothing before my love for God, pure of heart. I am complete. Point. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Okay. Well, here we are at the top of the hour. And um, I'm just so happy we can turn to you, Fran, to lead us in these top of the hour reflections. So thank you very much again. And um, turn it over to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Oh, we're at the part one, the beginning of the workbook. And we have an introduction, and the lesson, lesson one, is nothing I see in this room, on this street, from this window, in this place, means anything. So I shall read a little bit from introduction, and then we'll go over to our lesson. And I guess we'll take five minutes to do that. Okay, introduction. A theoretical foundation, such as the text, is necessary as a background to make these exercises meaningful. 
Yet it is the exercises which will make the goal possible. An untrained mind can accomplish nothing. The exercises are very simple. They do not require more than a few minutes, and it does not matter where or when you do them. Do not undertake more than one exercise a day. The purpose of these exercises is to train the mind to a different perception of everything in the world. Unless specified to the contrary, the exercise should be practiced with the eyes open, since the aim is to learn how to see. The only rule that should be followed throughout is to practice the exercises with great specificity. Some of the ideas you will find hard to believe, and others will seem quite startling. It does not matter. You are merely asked to apply them to what you see. You are not asked to judge them, nor even to believe them. You are asked only to use them. It is their use which will give them meaning to you and show you they are true. Remember only this. You need not believe them. You need not accept them. And you need not welcome them. Whatever your reactions to the ideas may be, use them. Nothing more than this is required. So we'll go over to lesson one. Lesson one. Nothing I see in this room, on the street, from this window, in this place, means anything. Now look slowly around you and practice applying this idea very specifically to whatever you see. This table does not mean anything. This chair does not mean anything. This hand does not mean anything. This foot does not mean anything. This pen does not mean anything. Then look farther away from your immediate area and apply the idea to a wider range. That door does not mean anything. That body does not mean anything. That lamp does not mean anything. That sign does not mean anything. That shadow does not mean anything. As you practice applying the idea for the day, use it indiscriminately. Do not attempt to apply it to everything you see, for these exercises should not become ritualistic. Only be sure that nothing you see is excluded. One thing is like another as far as the application of the idea is concerned. Nothing, lesson one. Nothing I see in this room, on the street, from this window, in this place, means anything. And we'll take our five minutes on it.
Now we'll do lesson 51. I'll read the first two paragraphs, which is the um, review for lesson one. Okay, lesson 51. The review for today covers the following ideas. Nothing I see means anything. The reason this is so is that I see nothing and nothing has no meaning. It is necessary that I recognize this, that I may learn to see. What I think I see now is taking the place of vision. I must let it go by realizing that it has no meaning so that vision may take its place. Nothing I see means anything. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. That was wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Is that amazing? Nothing I see means anything? Mm. Wow. You know, as many times as I have done these lessons, I always feel like it's the first time. It always wows me <laughs> every time. I'm complete. Yeah. Thank you, friend. Yeah. What an amazing thought to begin with. Um, being a newcomer to these lessons, uh, that probably can seem rather intimidating. Nothing I see means anything. We come to believe and trust in what we see. Remember (laughs) the old dramatics song what you see is what you get. So our belief in what our eyes are showing us is a very strong belief. And a difficult belief to challenge. Of course, uh, starting off with this lesson, and if you think this lesson is challenging, just stick around. <laughs> I'm complete. <laughs> thank you, Harrison. Yeah, thank you, thank you Harrison. Yeah. Thank you, Harrison. I want to go back to the lesson 51 that Fran just read. And this is the first time I really got where you're getting some of these things, Fran. So thank you for saying, you know, that now turn to lesson 51 because it's explaining lesson one. And I love the last sentence because it says, I must let go by realizing that it has no meaning so that vision may take its place, real vision. 
coming back to the introduction in miracles, number 12, miracles are thoughts. It's always a choice. How do I see? How do I choose to see this? And I think that's where it's important that I understand it's never been my, um, you know, the vision that can't see at night, but the God vision that sees through everything. That's so great, Diana. I'm really glad that came together for you. Um, Yeah, finally. (laughs) Thank you. That's marvelous. Thank Thank you. Yes, thank you, Diana. Thank you, too, Harrison. Good morning, Ms. Karen. Um, uh, it's so funny. It was really hard to jump in, and I had this, like, burning desire, and I just had the same experience yesterday. Yesterday I was, uh, I I do a, a spiritual call, um, uh, Zoom, rather, on Sundays, it's a meditation class and a meditation gathering, and I was so psyched to sit for two hours to meditate, and um, someone had passed away a couple weeks ago, so they changed it to a memorial, but didn't tell, didn't, didn't tell anyone, so on one hand, I'm paying for it, this thing, and on the other hand, it wasn't what I wanted it to be, and... Um, I just kept saying, this holy instant I give to you, be you in charge. And I just felt like this ego, you know, the ego action. I want it my way, and I thought it was going to be this way, and da 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 Someone's not muted. Um, anyway, it's like that, right? Um, this holy instant that I give to you. So in every moment that I feel my irritation of my impatience, it's like, it's like the last lesson from the course, this holy instant, what I give to you, this holy instant, what I give to you, be you in charge. On the inner altar, I put my ego that wants what it wants. And, you, you know, that's what has to be purified from my perspective. You know, the purification of that, that habitual uh, ego, Judgment, um, also seeing differences, seeing differences needs to be purified. I mean, to make it more concrete, what needs to be purified. Am I still seeing differences? When I meet people, do I judge whether they are spiritual or not? (laughs) Or who's more spiritual? You know, that's one of the differences. Uh that keeps coming up in my mind. You know, I have this this meditation sensitivity of feeling things that I wish I didn't feel, you know, people's energies. I wish I didn't feel them at all because it makes me believe that there are differences, you know, that it, it's an interference in my field, um, which I wish I didn't, which I did, wish wasn't so amplified. You know, because it it's, uh, it abstracts love's awareness, the awareness of love's presence. Um, so, about this lesson, uh, nothing I see means anything. Earlier in the first call, when we did it, I was realizing that 
when I'm in that spacious self of of awareness of my spirit, um, my perception of the outer world is shifted. But when I'm in my body awareness, um, when I'm in my body awareness, I'm really uh, in the illusion. So it said, look at the pen, and I looked at the pen, and the pen is made of plastic, and it was like instantly the ego mind is like dissecting it, fragmenting it, you know, giving, going down the list of what the meaning of the pen is. It has ink. It's made of plastic. Plastic can be used for anything. Ink doesn't mean anything until, you know, you write a thought. It doesn't have any inherent value. And then it says, look at your hand. And I looked at my hand and my, my attachment to my hand, you know, my flesh, my body. This hand cooks. This hand um, serves God. This hand uh, provides comfort and love to others and to my dog. I mean, it was a whole different shift, you know, but it was physical. But then when I shifted into spirit awareness, the spacious self-reality, nothing means anything. You know, it's, it's all oneness and formless and pass beyond time. It's beyond differences. It's beyond descriptions. It's beyond the way that the ego mind processes. Um, so I just want to go back to one miracle principle before I stop. Miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. And I wrote in my notes that when we express love, percep- perception is shifted. Um, when we're expressing love, our perception is shifted from the ego to the Holy Spirit. I just thought that was so powerful. You know, whenever we're expressing love, we're shifted into right-mindedness. So it says miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. So like shortcut would be just express love all the time. I'm complete. Thank you for letting me share that. Oh, thank you, Karen, uh, for making that very clear distinction of lower order reality and the spacious self. Oh, that was very helpful. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Karen. It was very clear. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Karen.
Well, good morning, everyone. This is Flory. And um, I really, really enjoyed, Karen, how you described shifting between body awareness and, and spiritual awareness. And I think we do that probably outside of our awareness hundreds of times a day. Um, but this lesson is uh, helpful as an anchor when I realized that, um, oh man, oh boy, how can I say, I've said it many times, the relationship this being has with the Creator is everything. Contextually, that's that's everything. And um, in that place, yes, I feel very spacious, and everything is everything is a gift. Um, but what I wanted to say about this lesson was. Um, the first 12 years I had this book, I kind of let my mind slide over, you know, of the first 35 lessons, uh, because I wanted to find the good parts, <laughs> you know, the good parts that I can resonate with, and I, I picked and I chose, and, and I was pretty happy with my selections, and, um, and they weren't the total picture, you know, <clears throat> and one year, I thought, um, I'm really tired of, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really tired of bouncing back and forth in my awareness between my spiritual self um, and love and all about that relationship with God. And then ordinary life where I felt so um, alienated, you know? Um, like, how can two realities exist? And so I went back to these first lessons. I thought, okay, I'm going to get real serious about this now. At the time, I was painting. <clears throat> that was that was my pastime, and, and I just loved to paint. I mean, it was almost like an addiction. I loved to paint so much, and I was painting gifts for for people I loved. And, and so here's this lesson, nothing I see means anything. And I'm, at the time, I was painting a landscape for my dad, whom I love very much, and it was going to be a gift. And and I, what do you mean? Nothing. I see. I mean, I'm loving these. I'm loving these strokes, and I'm loving. I'm loving what's coming. You know. And um, and you no, know, it says real clearly. Nothing I see means anything. And I was focusing on the word meaning. And and I I was missing something. And I became angry, if you want to know the truth. The first 20 lessons uh, activated something in me that I didn't understand at all. And I experienced that as just plain anger. I mean, I have no idea what that anger was about. Uh, I still don't, because um, I suppose it was unconscious material. Um, but as that anger came up and dissipated, um, by the time I got to lesson 30, I wasn't angry anymore. And then the review lessons came. And that's the point I wanted to make in this share. That I, I felt angry that the meaning I was giving to what I was doing um, meant nothing. 
but that's not what the lesson said, you know. Um, the lesson said, what I see with my body's eyes is not the love that's true of everything. It's not the way my heart wants to reach out and join with um, what I love, you know. Um, my body's eyes can't see that because the body's eyes see nothing. It's not about uh, nothing has meaning, but rather if I'm relying on perception alone <clears throat> to define my reality, I'm depriving my heart and my soul and my mind of the experience of ongoing truth and love. I can't rely strictly on my body's eyes because then I can't appreciate meaning at all. And the meaning of everything is love. Just like uh, that gift of the painting, it had nothing to do with the scene or the trees or, or the light that came from behind. It was the love that motivated it and um, the love that that created it, not as a thing, but as uh, an expression, you know? And so um, nothing I see in this room with my body's eyes means anything. But there is meaning everywhere that I can see. And, um, and that's why I love The Course of Miracles. And I'm complete. Oh, thank you so much. Laurie? That was great. Thank you. Well, thank you, Laurie. That was just so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you. Can you guys hear me on this call? Because I couldn't on the first call. Can you hear yes, me? Hi. Hi. Yes. Good morning. Yeah, good. good morning. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, Ida. Thank you. That was really a great explanation of that first lesson, Lori. Thank you. I don't know if I got angry in the past, but in the past I got, when it came to some painting on the wall or something, I felt like, this does have meaning. That's not true. It doesn't mean anything. But I think you gave such a good explanation. It applies to that phenomenon, too. And the meaning that I get derives from my vision not my sight, you know what I mean. The vision is through our spiritual eye, like the third eye, and the sight is through our physical eye. That's what I mean. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Ida. Just so on point. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Arda and Lori. Again, I think it's so important how this book is put together, and it's just now coming together for me. Even the introduction, it's important that we read that introduction. I just jumped into the lesson, and everything that they were telling me to to not not do, you may actively resist. You know, you may <laughs> say, you know, it's telling you. You don't have to believe them. I, I didn't read this lesson. I just went into the lessons, and 
all of those things were coming up and I was fighting them and and it was scaring me. I even had to, you know, after a while say, wait a minute, this, I don't know what this is, but I have to put it away. And I did. I, wa- I didn't want to throw it out, but I walked it into the garage and did, I didn't pick it up for a long time until I was ready to go back to it, you know, and see it in a different way. But these lessons today, the introductions to the lessons, uh, I see are, you know, something that I, I didn't put hand in hand together with and how necessary and needed they are for full interpretation. So again, um, I just want to put that out there and, and, and thank Fran again for um, her part in all of this. I'm complete. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Oh, thank you, Diana. Yeah. Am I on mute? I Hello? Yeah, we hear you, Judy. Hello. Oh, I, I keep Love messing it up. <laughs> I'm sorry if I haven't been on mute. And um, I'm just um, really excited about starting a new year um, with the new um, conviction, devotion, commitment to doing the course um, thoroughly, as thoroughly and wholeheartedly and open-mindedly as I can. And um, Thank you, Lemoyne and, and Lori, for bringing us together, this togetherness that we share in our oneness that helps the truth reveal itself to itself in us, um, that we all hold the truth the way, the truth, and the light within us, um, and that it just keeps becoming more and more bright and shining more clear. Um, I really uh, appreciated what what, um, Fran and Harrison shared earlier in the beginning of the dialogue after the lesson about um, coming to to the beginning of the lessons again and um, new things being revealed and... um, it, it it occurs to me that that's the whole point of doing the course, that um, I'm clearing clearing the decks, my mind and my heart, in order that God can reveal himself to me. I'm getting out of the way, stepping aside, letting go, um, starting again with the, a beginner's mind. Um, and doing the lesson this morning, uh, you know, all that, has been revealed to me all that I've learned from the courses has come right right along with doing the lesson anew, following the instructions and rereading the instructions, the introduction to the lessons, the workbook, that um, it's done for me. The undoing of the way I think seeing is, uh, seeing through the body's eyes, which is what I thought Judy was seeing and how Judy was seeing, Judy was thinking about what she was seeing was um, a complete distortion and interpretation. Secondhand, filtered through a personal me, um, you know, and the importance of the instructions of doing the lessons is in the relinquishment of what I think I know of the relinquishment of what I think I have learned so that I might learn and something new can be revealed to me. 
um, that meaning is revealed. And in doing the lesson this morning, I was just seeing, just seeing, just seeing. And then I asked, who is seeing? Who is seeing this? Is it Judy's eyes that are seeing it? Or is that just a reflection that's inverted upside down in Judy's mind that she thinks about and then is interpreted? Or is she just seeing it? Seeing is a gift of receiving, a gift that what I'm seeing is given to me. What I'm seeing is giving itself to me as a gift. And in that simplicity, that intimacy of just seeing something, my body, my door, my birds, my deck, it's giving itself, it's in forming in me, within me, seeing what is seen is, is in one intimate act. There's no lines, there's no borders, there's no distinctions. It's one in and of itself, seeing, just seeing. So the eye gets out of the way, and the meaning gets out of the way, and I'm just seeing today. <laughs> I hope that's helpful. I'm complete. Oh, the word gift shot me over the moon. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Thank Judy. You, Judy. Hi, this is Lana again. Um, I um, I you know I say a lot of times that um, the course is doing me as much as I'm doing it, and and the workbook um is just such a perfect example of this. You know, in the introduction to the workbook, part one, uh, Jesus says that some of these ideas will be hard to believe and others will seem quite startling. It does not matter. You are merely asked to apply them to what you see. You're not asked to judge them or even to believe them. You know, the the workbook, um, and it took a while for me to get that because I thought that in order for the work workbook lesson to, um, to have done the workbook lesson was somehow linked to an inner intellectual understanding of that. And, and, and that's quite the opposite, you know, of what Jesus is asking me to do. He's just asking me to do the lesson. I don't have to bring my judgments to it. I don't have to believe it um, or understand it. I just need to apply it and do what it says. And the meaning of it will come to me. And it's our first introduction to um, the introduction to this is reminding me that the thoughts I think with God um, are not thoughts in a thinking process, especially the thinking mind of the ego. It's about not thinking. It's about application and noticing what shows up as 
a result of um, doing the lesson. It's, it's like doing the lesson and see what shows up. It's not about um, my understanding of it. The understanding will come to me as I apply it. Um, and, and that's beautiful because, uh, you know, the first time I did the workbook lessons, I really struggled because, especially in the beginning, because it made a lot of them made no sense to me, and I thought I was missing the lesson, and I wouldn't move on, and I would repeat the lesson and do the lesson again, thinking that I had to have an understanding of it in order for it to be effective. And uh, that's the opposite of what Jesus is telling me in the introduction to the workbook lessons. He has a very he asks very little of me other than to just do it and apply it and then step back and see what shows up in my mind, not to struggle with um, understanding because the thinking mind of the ego thought system can't understand truth. And it'll only, and when I engage the thinking mind to use in order to understand the workbook lessons, it's it's almost like uh, an oxymoron, you know. The, the thing I need to do is do nothing, but other than apply it to my everyday life, to my everyday experiences, and then to notice what shows up in my mind, in my thoughts, in my experience, you know. And um, I don't know about, any of you, but uh, the second time I did the workbook lesson uh, lessons, um, when I read them, uh, they became more clear to me, you know, not through an understanding, but through an experience of them. And, and that brings an inner knowing. And understanding is like the booby prize. I mean, you might have, I might have a deeper understanding, but it, it's through the application of it, not through an intellectual struggle. Um, and, and when I recognized that, um, it was like oh, the weight of my world, the world lifting from me, you know, as I, um, and, and also as, uh, as I did the workbook lessons, when I read the text, it became, they became, I recognized what Jesus was trying to teach me. And again, it, it came through the, you know, through the application of it. You know, it's, um, he just asked so little of it of us. And I had another thought, but it just escaped my mind. <laughs> I was going to share, but oh, well. You know, it's just that, um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, I, I marvel at how masterfully Jesus constructed this Course in Miracles because uh, the whole time he's keeping my intellect busy through the text, he's undoing it through the workbook until I reached a point where I recognized the intellect will only get me far enough to recognize that I must let it go. That, um, you know, it's, it's like looking for your keys, you know, 
and and then you give up and as soon as you give up all of a sudden there they are sitting on the counter behind the salt and pepper shakers you know hiding in plain sight and it's very similar to my experience of the workbook lessons you know as soon as I give up the struggle and it's the same you know like that saying about swimming when you stop struggling you float and um, it's through the relinquishment of effort um, that everything I was seeking comes to me not um, through an intellectual process but just in the fact that I stepped aside and left the space in my mind for truth to enter and I find that's how I hear also guidance from the Holy Spirit I asked for healing I asked for clarity I asked for certainty and that's all I need to do then I step aside and allow it to come to me um, and it's a much more effective means of finding peace and joy through this Course in Miracles um, it's about allowing Jesus and the atonement to work through me and I just have to be willing to step aside and allow it to do me <laughs> instead of me trying to do it because whenever I try to do it all I'm doing is bringing past thoughts um, because that's all the foundation of the ego thought system is the past and if I get and if I use that I'm going to be disappointed because if I don't find an answer there I will be misguided into believing that an answer doesn't exist and it doesn't within the ego thought system I have to leave that and join in unity with God and silence my mind and be present in order for God to through my Holy Spirit to allow the truth to enter my mind and I, I find I found that's a much more effective means of doing these lessons and even reading the text I used to struggle and reread and reread and try to understand and my guidance has just been just keep on moving it'll come to you and many times it's in the very next paragraph that it becomes clear or something will happen through the day or the next time I re I read it all of a sudden it'll make perfect sense to me and again it wasn't through my thinking but in allowing the thoughts I think of with God to enter my mind and bring me what I was seeking so anyhow I love the workbook you know it's it's so miraculous as is all the other components of A Course in Miracles but you know the workbook is is about experiencing the truth it's not about understanding it and and once I got that it was like the pressure was taken off me <laughs> you know just let it be done unto you um, uh, so anyhow uh, I just wanted to share that I'm complete oh, that, well, that was, was so perfect yes it was I enjoyed okay. every bit of it thank you so much yeah Thank you oh, so much. That was very, very important. And I'm so happy that it is recorded. 
so uh, especially newcomers to the course um, can hear about your experience, um, of which I heard what you had to say uh, 30 years ago <laughs> uh, when I first started the course. And, um, what has saved me a few years of throwing the book aside, um, but God knows, um, Jesus knows, Holy Spirit knows uh, what it takes for each of us uh, to arrive at uh, what he says uh, in the introduction, nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. Those words meant nothing to me uh, when I first picked up the course. But I knew somehow, at some level, that they were very, very important. Um, because just reading them takes me beyond my experience as a body as Harrison, um, all of my experiences I judged and I judged myself harshly. Um, and by focusing on the judgment of my experiences as a body, it kept me from seeing the truth of who I really am. What I've learned is that regardless of any and everything I've ever done, and probably more importantly, regardless of any thought I have ever had, if it wasn't a thought that I thought with God, if my actions were not motivated by the thoughts I think with God, and nothing really happened. What my body did did not occur because the world in which my body exists does not in itself exist. 
And yeah, that world is the world that I want. And Jesus calls it the real world. The real world is the world that I see with the eyes of Christ. It is not what we call a physical world. That world only exists in as a result of my so-called physical side, my body side. The real world arises from the thoughts I think with God. That world is love, joy, and happiness. Oneness. That's the world that I choose today. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you so much. Great Just beautiful. Thank you, Harrison. I wonder if anyone hasn't shared, who hasn't shared, would like to share before I double dip. I really am excited. (laughs) Oh, Lori. Um, Lemoyne, I haven't heard Lemoyne say a peep. Um, the um, introduction. I, I so, you know, when I first came to the course, it was like what I didn't understand anything. And um, Lori, the way that you you described picking, picking and choosing what you wanted to get uh, out of the course, and um, and starting doing the lessons, and um, you know what it says right in the very introduction. This is a course in miracles. It's required, and only the time you take it is voluntary. Free will doesn't mean that you establish the, the curriculum. This is what we're trying to undo: is the curriculum that we've learned from the ego, all the world that, all the teaching of the world that gave us a mistaken sense of self-appraisal, and that um, we're undoing perception, um, the the sheer. Um, perceiving the world through an instrument of perception um, that we think is us. You know, that we have a body isn't the problem, that we, we lovingly experience that having a body isn't the problem. The problem is in thinking that we are the body. We are not limited to or by the body. And the mind that we are, that we share, the spirit that we are, that we share, as one, is our reality. And the capital reality of that is something that needs to be revealed because we've so filtered our perceptions of that reality with the limited and fragmented perceiving mind. 
So we can't, we can't be taught the meaning of what we are, which is love, which is everything, as long as we're learning in the state of perception. In that state of perception, perceiving through the body's eyes the, the instrument of perception, we are in a separate state. And this is what the Course teaches, teaches our guide, our divine, <laughs> holy spirit and Christ consciousness, um, the divinity of these messages to me and how, how intimately we are one with everything that is filtered through perception, us, us looking and thinking about stuff rather than just seeing it. Um, you know, that we really can't, in a, from the state of perceiving, we can't know what love really means, what love really is, because we view everything at, at selectively, the way, the way the ego selects things out, differentiates, partial and changing, which it's not. When we look through the eyes of vision, we learn to look, to see, through the eyes of love, through the eyes, unforgiving eyes, I had a really strong sense of, of being, the capital being, that capital innocent bystander, which doesn't, it's, it's one way of, of me putting on the mantle of Christ vision, the innocent bystander who just looks, who just sees, who doesn't have a thought about anything, just quietly standing around, looking and seeing, <laughs> without a thought, without my pride, just from the light inside, the light inside that shines on and sees and, and it's one with what I see. I'm one with everything I see, unless I put a thought in between there. Without a thought, I am one with everything I see. So... We pass, we're passing beyond perception. This is what perception is. And we're passing beyond it to what the Course calls knowledge, that we are one with the mind of God, who sees through our eyes, yes, but it sees everything as God sees itself through the eyes of love, through the eyes of everything informing itself that it is itself. Simply, very simply, reduced. But I love the principles, too, beginning again in the principles. And, you know, that this undoing of the ego is, I can't bring my ego along for the ride because it will just interfere. Any, any resistance, any doubt, any disbelief, any anger I feel is resistance. It's a personal saying, I don't like this, I don't want this, and it's a rejection, it's a judgment. And that singularly is a very important thing for me to be mindful of still, to do in the course for 20 years, watching these resistances come up, where I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't like this, I'm irritated, the slightest irritation is a rejection, is a rejection, is a judgment. Just breathe, Jude. Just breathe. Just breathe and look and listen. <laughs> I need do nothing. Happy New Year, everybody.
Thanks for giving me a a field to share in. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Love you too, Judy. Thank you. Well, we're nearly at the top of the hour again, so I think it's time to probably end this recording unless someone you have something you'd like to share. Um, yeah, really I do. Thank you. A, a few things this is to touch on light um, I know in the introduction that you know it I don't want to be hung up on form but I think that there is a it, it's fine that people put those last together. The summary of the course really is that nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. That's the summary. And the next statement, herein lies the peace of God. That's that's the purpose. That's the purpose, the meaning of of the course is to restore us to that sense of inner peace that in which we are created. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to belabor it. It's it's fine to fine to run it together because it is that purpose that gives the meaning to the, to the course and those statements before it. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it really is, I'm glad you found the introduction, because the, you know, the introduction because I think, you know, it, it has this thing where it says the only rule is that should be followed throughout practice the exercise with great specificity. And that sounds like some huge focus on one thing to exclusion of everything else. But this is the upside down thinking. It's really about, you know, the, <clears throat> the miracle in the text to find many ways, but it's to find the, the correct perception of one part of the whole. And I, I think, you know, considering we're lost in, in this thing of uh, everything is, is a separate thing and potentially a threat and therefore tested, uh, is, you know, we need to practice <laughs> the lesson with everything with great specificity to set each thing. That we, because these judgments um, that are behind all that are largely buried in subconscious great practice, and, and then the belief that that's the way it really is, and it's our beliefs about reality which actually 
hear the actual real world hearing. So the other thing that that paragraph four in the introduction says is to be sure you do not decide there are some things you see to which the idea for the day is inapplicable. <clears throat> the aim of the exercise will always be to increase the application of the idea to everything. And this will not require effort. Only be sure you make no exceptions applying the idea. So it's like, you know, each lesson applies to every situation that you find yourself, everything you see in practice, you know, pulling. And it's not like it takes effort to pull apart the tangled web that we created in deceiving ourselves about what we are. It is like, but we do need to try and with one thing at a time. Because this is, this is part of being an individual. You know, particular focus. <coughs> to our worldly vision. And then we do look at one time. But Oh. Yeah, the, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, bad connect. Yeah, it got really bad there, Lemoyne. Yeah, this, this new head. Demanding attention. There we go. Okay. Um, sorry. Is it better now? Yes. Okay. I'll try not to move too much. Um. Anyway, the the. It's uh, it is about simplicity and letting go of what we believe reality really is, in order to see what really is. And you know what is real is eternal, and therefore not threatened. And what's unreal is just a an empty thought that we've elevated through belief into into uh, a world divided in, into parts in conflict. And uh, it's, a, it's a pretty simple little thing, but um, it's... Uh, also a, a, a great work, but it's done one thing at a time. And so the, I think one thing with the lessons is that they're not ever really intended to be a separate spiritual practice, but something that we carry and apply in, in life. He also says in the introduction, it should be practiced several times a day at different place, and if possible, in every situation in which you spend any long period of time. And, uh, you know, it's a method. They're a method of clearing preconceptions 
so that, you know, the truth can arise and we can find that ease and certainty which um, are the basis of the, uh, you know, just part of that peace of God, which is the course is intended to return us to. Anyway, I'm complete there. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, I'm so glad you came with that. Yes, thank you, Lemoyne. That was just perfect. Thank you. Yes, it was. Yeah, you and Lemoyne, or you and Lana were emphasizing the same points, and and I really appreciate um, the hard-won wisdom with which you offer those points. So, thank yeah, you very well, much. Yeah, well, I, I don't offer it from any place of perfection. I'm definitely teaching what I've learned <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't thank that you. the truth? Oh, Absolutely. I hear you in the morning. Same here. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. That's absolutely the truth. <laughs> and then it comes in on little cat feet. Oh, you're not looking. So thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for reading, for joining, for sharing, for um, for just everything you do on behalf of the Sonship. I'm very grateful. And... Um, I feel inadequate to offer anything particular of wisdom for this for this closing, but I will say uh, that I very much appreciate um, what he offers. I, I lost my place here, but I think it's in chapter three. Yeah. Chapter 3, Section 5, from Perception to Knowledge, I think, uh, is an excellent summary of why we do these lessons um, and why we do them so specifically, exactly as instructed, accepting nothing, accepting, E-X-C-E-P-T-I-N-G, accepting nothing uh, in order that we can accept everything. From perception and knowledge, he says, um, perception, true perception is the basis for knowledge, but knowing is the affirmation of truth. All your difficulties ultimately stem from the fact that you do not know, do not recognize or know yourselves, each other, or God. To recognize, I love that. To recognize means to know again, implying that you knew before. You can see in many ways because perception involves different interpretations and this means that it's not whole. The miracle is a way of perceiving, not of knowing. It is the right answer to a question and you do not ask questions at all when you know. So we question illusions is the first step in undoing them. The miracle, the right answer, corrects them. Since perceptions change, their dependence on time is obvious. Then it goes on. But visions, 
or the natural perception of the spiritual eye. But there are still corrections. Spiritual eye is symbolic and therefore not a device for knowing. It is, however, a means of right perception, which brings it into the proper domain of the miracle. From perception to knowledge, there is a purpose for doing these lessons and um, doing them exactly as he instructs because of the divine technology on which they're based. So thank you everyone for joining, for reflecting on our goal and uh, our purpose here as we walk to God. And I'm so grateful for you all. Uh, thank you everyone. We'll end the recording. And typically, um, we stay and share some more, so feel free to stay on.